before we get into our main text and discussion here on the resurrection, I just wanted to um, read a particular um, scripture here for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you would please open 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 50 through 58. And it speaks to what we were just singing here. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and at the, mo at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall change... And we shall be changed. For this, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption, and this mortality has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not that uh, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, as we take a look at this, if you would please open up the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew twenty-eight. And uh, we're going to be picking back up. We have been in the, the Passion Week uh, and taking the Bible study through between the different Gospels. And we'll do the same thing here uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to use Matthew 28 as our primary, but I'm going to uh, intermingle uh, the scriptures from the different parts of the Gospels Gospels, because to get the full story of what was taking place um, specifically that uh, that morning, that Sunday morning, the first day of the week, uh, and through that full day of that Sunday, and what also happened the following week, and then of, in the next uh, 32 days after that, which was a total of 40 days that the Lord when he rose from the dead there, was on this earth roaming for 40 days. And so we're going to capture some of those key things just for, uh, for your understanding uh, at this point. But I have some awesome news for you first. Uh, the awesome news, the wonderful good news uh, to tell you today, and I want to have been sharing, I've been waiting all week long to say this to you all, but he is risen. Our Lord Jesus Christ is alive and he is risen. So... We do sing hallelujah for sure. And that is the most wonderful and great news that can be shared for each and uh, everyone in humanity. Giving all of us an opportunity, a way to come and be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. And Jesus Christ is the only way uh, that can happen. And so as we take a look at this scripture, and that's why we celebrate it's the most monumental, most foundational, most incredible day as a Christian um, is, is the fact that we're, we've been saved and Jesus paid the penalty for our sins to make a way for us to be able to be saved and be, to be forgiven. And we can just celebrate that. We can rest in that. We can have peace in that. We can have a life, eternal life of a promise of that. And so we can just rest, my brothers and sisters, in the Lord. And if you find yourself anxious today and, and, uh, and just not sure of the future, you have the assurity as a child of God. You have no question in the mind. Because the promise of God, the, the scripture tells us we have given, been given eternal life by God and we will be in his loving arms one of these days. And he's with us now. He's never going to leave us or forsake us, as the scripture tells us. And so we are not to be uh, afraid. We're not to be weary in regards to uh, someone who is a non-believer, someone who has not given their life to Jesus Christ. Yes, they will worry. Yes, they have uncertainty. Yes, they are not sure about the future. They're not sure about a lot of things like we used to be at one point in our life. But now with uh, having the peace with God, 
we can have the peace of God throughout the day as we walk within great anticipation of our Lord coming back for us. And today in our story today of uh, continuing the scriptures here, we can see very clearly now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Now, if you remember, um, our Resurrection Sunday, our Easter Sunday, really is the, the reaching the culmination of this passage week. Uh, the Passion Week, and, uh, and when we look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the most uh, important event here, we see early in the morning, early Sunday morning, uh, that the ladies here who had been following Jesus is going to the tomb. But notice what happens here in verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. So when we take a look here in this early this morning here, uh, as the, the ladies are rushing to the tomb because we had known in previous chapter that they had come and they'd watched to see where Joseph and uh, Nicodemus uh, buried the body or put it, the body in the tomb there that was Joseph's as a rich man. He had a tomb already hewed out in the, in the, in the, in the rock and he, they wrapped him up and, and put uh, the, the myrrh, the, the spices and stuff that Nicodemus had brought and wrapped it very quickly because they had to put the body in the tomb and roll and shut that uh, tomb up with the very large rock uh, to before uh, the sundown because of the, the start of the Sabbath. Now it's interesting this morning as we take a look at this first event here of a great earthquake happening and this angel rolled away this stone from Jesus' tomb before sunrise. Which tells me the ladies started coming from a mile or two miles away, Bethany and other places they lived, and making their way very quickly in the dark to get there at this moment when the sun is, sun is rising here uh, and at this point in the event. Now, Jesus did not need the stone rolled away by the angel. Why did the God send an angel to come down to roll the stone away? Because, again, he, God is using a messenger here, one of his angels, or we see in the scripture two angels, uh, to, to roll the stone away for a couple of reasons, as we see here in the scriptures and in, in the other parts of the Gospels, that they moved the stone for these women and for the, specifically the disciples who will be coming running to come and to look and, and witness with their own eyes that the tomb is, uh, is uh, empty, that Jesus isn't in the tomb. Now, we know also <laughs> Jesus didn't need uh, the angel to move the stone for him, obviously, because just in a few hours, he's actually going to be walking through a wall. He's going to come right through a wall without any having to uh, open up a door to be amongst the disciples who are gathering together in this upper room. And so remember, also during this time, an earthquake happened also on the Friday when Jesus died on the cross, if you remember. And the earthquake, when there's an earthquake, there's a, in this, the scriptures that we saw there on Friday, and now again here on the third day, Sunday uh, morning, God used an earthquake to really shake and get attention of everybody who was feeling that that and remember on Friday it was a tremendous shake of that earthquake. It split stones, just just rattled everything, opened up the graves. Um, here this morning on on this Sunday morning we see that uh, that the earthquake happened, and it really brought about. Uh, a shaking not only of those who were sleeping maybe, those who were coming, the ladies were coming to, the, to the, the temple, I mean to the tomb, but also the fact that remember this tomb was actually uh, secured by these Roman guards. Pilate uh, uh, granted the religious leaders their request to have uh, this tomb secured so that no one can come in and steal the body and to take that away in any form or fashion so that it would be a much bigger problem for, their, for them knowing that if Jesus was raised from the dead, 
perceived in, in the eyes of the people, it would be far, far greater of a testimony of what Jesus had proclaimed in his followers. And of course, it was true. He did resurrect from the dead. He is alive. He isn't in the tomb. And it came about even with those Roman guards outside. Uh, they didn't stop God's plan. An army of man is not going to stop God's plan. People's wisdom and people's ideas of, of feeling like they can be controlling situations in this situation of this life or this moment, you cannot overcome God's plan. God is going to have his way and fulfill the promise that he has given us through the scripture. Now keep in mind that here in Matthew we see a few of the ladies mentioned, but we know in this, uh, the other scriptures that not only Mary Magdalene, who was freed from the seven demons uh, that did Jesus cast out of her, and Joanna, Salome, and the Mary of the mother of James all went to the tomb and discovered that this large stone covering the entrance had been opened up, it had been rolled back, it had been moved, it, and discovered uh, Jesus was not there. And we see that here in the very beginning of Matthew. They did not come, as you can tell, they did not come, as we see in the scriptures, with the uh, great anticipation of the resurrection. They were coming with a, 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 a moment of trying to, to help them through their mourning, bringing some additional spices and myrrhs to, to embalm the, the body and to prepare the body because as they've done that you know, during those times when they put it into this, uh, this cave and rolled it up, they wrapped the body with these linen strips and put the myrrhs and, and other things so that it would help keep the stench down of the decaying of the body. And so these ladies were coming not to with the expectation of seeing Jesus and to worship Jesus, but they were coming because they were looking to honor Jesus and to, uh, to prepare the, and continue to prepare the body for the decaying process there within the tomb. Now we see in the scriptures in John chapter 20 verse 1 and 2 that Mary Magdalene noting that Jesus was there, it was not there, the tomb uh, rock was rolled back and everything was the way it is. She immediately leaves the scene and heads back to tell Peter and John the, the news that this is what is happening here at the tomb site uh, where Jesus' body was buried. The other women continue to remaining there at the tomb and then while they're there, they see the two angels who told them about the resurrection. We see this right here as we see in verse 4 that the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. So when the, the shaking took place, the earthquake, the angels appeared, these very well-trained, highly um, uh, skilled warriors literally shook and they become dead like men, meaning they passed out. <laughs> they, were, they were completely must have just dropped right there in their spot over fear and the, the, uh, the purity of, the, of these angels that are showing up on the scene at this time and must have just thrown them obviously right to the ground here out of fear. They just dropped. But in verse 5, but the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lie. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Now as we continue to look at this and we see that these ladies were left behind, Mary Magdalene went off to see Peter and John. These other women are hearing this message as an angel is announcing, do not be afraid. Ladies, do not be afraid. Why? Because Jesus said this was going to happen. This is exactly as planned that uh, Jesus said would happen. And so why would you be afraid of a situation that you find yourself in, the circumstances you find yourself in, if the Lord has told you 
that it's going to be okay because this is exactly what I said would happen and how it played out. It may not be how the ladies thought it was going to happen, obviously, because they were coming back to expect a dead body to wrap and continue to pre- pre- uh, prepare the body. Now, how they, their minds thought, but ladies, man, when they were determined that they're going to go to the tomb and they're going to get this work done, they sometimes all of a sudden realize, okay, the tomb is all, we see in the scriptures, they were like, okay, how are we going to get the stone away, this very large stone? I don't know if they thought they were going to sweet talk this, the guards, because I don't even think they even knew the guards were even in place at the tomb, guarding the tomb. I don't even think they even knew that. So these ladies thought they were going to be strong enough. They probably might, might have been strong enough to move that big old rock. Uh, but the question is, how were they able to get it back into place? I don't know. All they know is they were coming. It was a, a part of the grieving. They were going to come maybe at the site, and this is what they were bringing. And they didn't have flowers at the time, but they were going to come, and they maybe just going to pray and outside the tomb at the time. But their intention was not to see uh, Jesus alive. They certainly were not intention to see angels there speaking to them and their just glory of, uh, of from heaven. But what happens is he says to them, come and see. Come and see and then go and tell. Come and see is the very first words that he says to these ladies to do. And then says, go and tell this great news, the biggest news story in history. This is not fake news. This is good news. This is truth. That this truth is for these ladies to go tell the disciples that this is exactly what happened and God used these ladies. Now remember the culture. In the culture, women were never looked upon as a newsworthy type source. If a woman says that, men were not going to believe it. But God is, uh, is using the ladies to, uh, this is a new covenant. There's a change. There's, this is God is going to use these ladies to communicate his good news uh, across the land here to the disciples. Because they're going to be running uh, to find them. Obviously, Mary Magdalene had already jumped ahead uh, and ran. Now, once, obviously, Mary Magdalene got to Peter and John, we see in Luke 24, 12 and John 20, verses 3 through 10, Peter and John rushes back with her too, but they outrun each other to get to Jesus' tomb. It's always kind of funny when you read John and how he, in the commentary, there he's like, oh yeah, and the other disciples outran Peter. You know, he got his little uh, uh, poke in there against Peter there. Uh, the fact that he outran him to see. Now, what's interesting is John gets to the tomb. He just kind of looks cautiously of what's happening. And bold Peter, he just went, boom, right past John and went right inside the tomb because he wanted to be in the place to see and look around. Uh, the boldness and the strength of Peter. And then we see that Mary Magdalene, Uh, returned to the tomb and then Jesus appeared to her alone in the garden we see that in Mark chapter 16 9 through 11 or John chapter 20 verses 11 through 18 and this is Jesus's first appearance to any of them is to this woman Mary Magdalene what a what an honor what a blessing uh, for uh, the first appearance to be to this uh, to this woman who uh, who gave her life in such a deep way because uh, you know she'd been forgiven much she had been freed from seven demons so she her life is so committed uh, to the life of Jesus um, and then we see Jesus appears here as we continue uh, that they went out quickly in verse 8 of chapter 20 of Matthew from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And verse 9, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So we see here the, uh, the fact that Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, 
Then Jesus appeared to these other women there, Mary and, and mother of James and Solomon and Joanna. The, the, his second appearance was with the rest of the ladies here as they were experiencing what they heard from the angel. And now they're experiencing seeing Jesus firsthand and they just wanted to hold him by his feet and worship him and just not let him go physically. And those who guarded the tomb, we know, we see in uh, at the, the remaining of 11 through 15 here, here's all the commotion going on. The ladies are going, the, Jesus is appearing, uh, here comes Peter and John, he's now telling, Jesus is telling the ladies, go finish running there like the angel told you to do, to go run and tell the brethren about the good news that I have resurrected from the dead, I'm not in the tomb, I'm not dead any longer, so Go run. So what happened to the guards besides them being like dead? We see in the scripture here in verse 11. Now while they were going, behold, so the ladies take off running and the guys are waking up from this moment of pure terror and passing out here. And some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and, and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we sleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So we see that these guards to, uh, that were guarding Jesus' tomb, these elite guards, uh, reported to the religious rulers and saying, you have a problem. Uh, they would have told them the whole story. Earthquake happened. You felt it. Oh, by the way, an angel showed up, removed that big old rock, that stone that we had secured, that we were standing by it secure. And it was so overwhelming. Uh, I don't know if they actually told the, the chief priests and them, oh, by the way, and we kind of dropped down dead because we were overwhelmed by fear. Uh, but we showing up to tell you this is exactly what, this is what we were trying to prevent actually happened. And so they bribed these guards. To come up with a story that says, you know, the disciples were somehow able to get past you elite guards, take the body, <laughs> and you were able to stop them. Now, there's a problem with that story because, first of all, those disciples would have never gotten past those guards. And second of all, if the guards had allowed that to happen somehow, they would have had immediate death because they would have not been able to do the mission that they were uh, to do, and that was to guard that tomb. So either way, it was a bad deal for these, these guards. And so they said, we'll cover for you. So they were going to manipulate the governor uh, if they were questioning about how this could have happened. So as they drove away in their uh, Mercedes Benz, uh, <laughs> with all the loot and money they were given, uh, you know, they had quite the chariot ride away from the place because they certainly were giving a, a bunch of money. We don't know how much uh, here in the in this scripture, uh, but we see that there was plenty. Uh, then we saw Jesus appear to Peter, and we see that uh, the third appearance of Jesus, we see that and we get that from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5. We see that uh, it appears to Cephas, which is the Aramaic name for Simon Peter. Now the morning has passed and we move into Sunday afternoon and Jesus appeared to two men on the road to Emmaus. We see that in Mark chapter 16, verse 12 and 13, and Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 32. And this will be the fourth appearance of Jesus appearing. And as you know the story, and I'm going to read it because I think it's that important to read here, and I'm going to turn here to Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to take two segments of this from a time perspective. And it says, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem. 
that would have taken about three hours on a, just a normal kind of a trucking along walk there. Uh, it would have taken them about three hours as they're traveling. So all this commotion's taking place there on that Sunday morning, and they leave Jerusalem and head to Emmaus, seven miles away. And they talk together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned, and Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were uh, strained, restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then we'll jump ahead to verse 25. And then he said to them, O foolish one, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And being at Moses, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Whoa, that would have been an incredible moment. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. So you can picture this incredible scene. These two guys are trucking along there. We, we don't know the names of, of one of the guys uh, in, this, in this story. But whoever they, uh, they, they, as they were going together, they were very well aware what took place. They started talking about the things that took place with a godly moment here and all the places and trying to reason in their mind. This is not how we thought this was going to play out. I thought things are going to be different. I thought God was going to do this and no, it didn't do this. And did you see that? And you thought was this people were going to be there. They weren't there. How about, whatever they were reasoning and thinking through at that moment, I love the fact that because they're together, two or more, and two of these two were together and talking about the things of God, God showed up. Jesus showed right up to him and said, hey, what are you guys talking about? And you're talking about these things and you're sad. I don't get this. Why are you sad? And they looked at him because their eyes were restrained at the time because they were so focused. Their eyes were so focused not on the, what, who was speaking to them in, of, of right there, right in their own presence. They were so fixated and probably in shock of the occurrence of just what took place that morning. And the news, the fact that Jesus' body was not in the tomb, that the lady said, he has, been, he has risen, he is alive. Now you wonder, why did they leave the town if Jesus is alive, his body's not there? Why would they leave the town and, and travel seven miles, a three-hour three walk? Because at that moment, even though whatever it may be, what drove them to leave, Jesus shows up when you're talking about him and, and, and discussing the things of God. And he shares. And I love the fact that they, there was something that was just this incredible moment, hearing his words speak to their heart, that they just abided, wanted to abide, abide even more. Please abide with us. We want to hear more. We want more. And that's so true as we read the scriptures. As we sit there, especially if we're by ourselves, or two or more gathered as we are today, and opening up the scriptures and talking about the things of the scriptures, Jesus shows up and he reveals and he speaks to our heart. And we want to just hear more of what he has for us. And you notice as they, I love this moment. And he brings their memory back to remembering me. Remember the upper room? Passover? 
And he passed the bread and he passed the cup and he says, do this in remembrance of me. They just had that moment. They're sitting there. They're at the end of the day. They're probably going to have a, some a food here. It's been a three-hour journey. They're walking, and they're breaking bread, and they're having And he says, what? He took the bread. He blessed it and broke it and gave to him. And immediately it gave just a flashback of what Jesus said. Remember me. What a moment. So these two disciples... From Emmaus told others they saw Jesus. That means they traveled. We see that very hour. They traveled another three hours back to get back into the evening, early, evening time to Jerusalem so that they could go back and tell the ten apostles that we see there gathered in the upper room. We see that in Luke 24, verses 36 through 43, or John 20, verses 19 through 25. And this is Jesus' fifth appearance. He just walks right in, right through the wall. They didn't even, no door open. Didn't hear him come in. He just stood in their presence. Let me read the, the, out of Luke here for you. And now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. Ah, oh, what incredible words. When you're anxious as these men were, as they were it just probably confused and upside down and just shocked of the news that he's, first of all, he was dead, now he's alive, he's not in the tomb, what happened? And you can see the uncertainty in their lives of that moment. And then when that happens and they're gathering together and you know they're praying, you know they're talking about the things that are taking place, God shows up. And then Jesus shows up and he says, peace to you. Oh, what a breath of fresh air that must have filled that room and he said to them why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts behold my hands and my feet that is it is i myself handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see i have i'm not just some spirit here touch me feel me look at my hands look at my feet it is me look at that what amazing did they rush to him? Did he go around and touch, touch, touch? I mean, in this moment, this is a touchy moment, right? You know, sometimes there's like no touchy. This moment, of course, yes, I want a touchy because I want to see and touch the hole in the hands that was made because of me, my sin, the feet, maybe because of your sin. And Jesus said, hey, it's me. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food there? Which means here, they're still questioning, is this really him? He says, hey, touch me. They must not have rushed him because they got, Jesus had to say, have you any food here? And then he said to them, because they gave him boiled fish. And he ate that fish. To show that he is in the flesh here eating the fish right in front of them. And then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Oh, I love this. Because those two guys in the road of the Maus, he was sharing what? He started sharing and what was written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, he was just expounding the, all the counsel of, of the word available at, that they would have known at that time. And here Jesus is meeting them in the upper room. And what does he do? He opens up the scriptures and he, t he starts expounding on the scriptures of what Jesus, uh, that which they read and studied and knew in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning the Messiah. And he opened their understanding and they, and God can open up your understanding as you read the word of God. And they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead uh, the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise. 
the Holy Spirit of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high. What amazing scripture here that we see here in Jesus' fifth appearance to those, uh, in this case, the ten apostles. Then we don't see anything in the scripture what takes place until the following Sunday. Where Jesus appears to the 11 apostles, and this time including Thomas, there in that room. And Thomas believed. This is Jesus' sixth appearance after his resurrection. We know the story of Thomas. Can you imagine a whole week here? These guys are telling Thomas what took place. And Thomas had to wait a whole week. Will will Jesus show back up so I can see him? I missed the opportunity. I should have been with you guys in that upper room praying and and talking and and supporting one another after all these things. What what happened? What What happened to Thomas? But Jesus still showed up to Thomas. And we know the story. Thomas, look at, look. You get to look too, like the rest of them. Come touch. And Thomas believed. Now as we look at the scriptures and we continue to see, there was this great commission here at the very end of Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There's still that that. The doubt can creep in even after just witnessing and experiencing the presence of God, the, the hearing directly the Lord Jesus speak to your heart, and you go to go do what you're, you're, you're being obedient, you're going to go do what you know, Jesus said to go do, and doubt can still creep into people's minds. It sure did with them, and it sure does with us. And verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to him, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Notice at the end of verse 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So we see here that we know in the scriptures that Jesus continued to walk on this earth here before his ascension for 32 more days here. We see in Jesus' appearance to the seven disciples by the Sea of Galilee and performed a miracle uh, with the fish there, if you remember. That's Jesus' seventh appearance. We see that in John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. Then Jesus appeared to 500. Hundred people, uh, including the eleven uh, disciples, at a mountain in Galilee, and we see that in Matthew twenty-eight verses sixteen through twenty, and Mark sixteen fifteen through eight, and First Corinthians fifteen six. That is Jesus's eighth appearance, and again, we're not talking about this 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 occurrence happening with just his most closest inner circle of people, the, the 11 disciples and the, uh, and, the, and, the, and the women who were following him. It, this account is not just them only, but over 500 people saw and witnessed with their own eyes that Jesus was alive and roaming on this earth. Jesus appeared to his half-brother James. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15, 7. That's Jesus' ninth appearance. And at Jerusalem, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. Uh, This is his tenth appearance. And we see that in Luke 24, verses 44 through 49. And Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And this tenth appearance would be the final appearance because on the next time we see is on the Mount of Olives, Jesus ascends into heaven while the disciples watched him. And we see that in Mark 16, Luke 24, and Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. So the eyewitnesses, 
of this incredible Resurrection Sunday. This Easter Sunday that we celebrate each and every year. The eyewitness accounts in the Gospels provide what Christians believe to be the undeniable evidence that the resurrection of Jesus Christ did indeed happen. Over two millennia later, after his death, followers of Christ still flocked to Jerusalem as we had the opportunity last year to go and see the tomb and where Jesus, uh, the Mount of Calvary, the Skull Hill, and the, where everything was outlined there, to be able to go and actually see uh, where this actually took place. And I'm going to just to summarize this few key points for you and I today. The resurrection. What is the key message of the resurrection? Yes, he's alive. But the message of that is do not be afraid. Today we have celebrating and we're joyful and we're peace with, uh, with God and have the peace of God because we don't need to be afraid. Why? Because our Lord and Savior is alive. He is risen. <laughs> we have all the assurity of the universe to, uh, for us. Jesus has overcome his enemies. He has overcome our enemies. What are those enemies? We'll see this. I hope you're taking note here. Our Lord defeated the world. We see that in 16, uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. He has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the flesh. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. Jesus has overcome the devil. We see that also noted in John chapter 12, verse 31. Jesus has overcome death itself. Noted in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58 that I read in the very beginning. And you need not be afraid of life or death. You and I do not have to fear life or death, time or eternity. And that is noted for us in Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. So Jesus has overcome the enemies that would come against him or come against us. He has, has victory over it all. And because he has victory, we too have the victory. As it settled in your heart. If not, go back and read those scriptures today. Ponder on them, meditate on them, because it's truth. He's overcome the enemies. The second thing is, this resurrection shows that Jesus keeps his promises. We see that in verses 6 and 7, that his followers forgot his resurrection promise. They were sorrowing instead of rejoicing. And when Jesus showed up, he says, Re rejoice here. Why are you sad? Why are you sorrowful? You should be rejoicing. This is exactly what I said would happen. It has happened. Now rejoice. The Lord always keeps his promises. No matter how dark the day may be for us, it doesn't matter how uncertain and dark it can come across the land, across this nation, across the city, across this county, across your home. Jesus Keeps his promises. And he says rejoice. Why? Because he has victory. And we get that victory as well. The resurrection also teaches us that Jesus goes before you and I. We saw that in verses 7 through 10. When the women ran to share the good news, they met the Lord. You always meet him in the path of obedience. When God says to do something, you're obedient, you will meet the Lord. He'll be with you. The shepherd goes before the sheep and prepares the way for them. Our shepherd has gone before us and has paved the way for us. We have a living and victorious Savior who has everything under control. Everything under control. Regardless of how you feel, 
regardless of what you're seeing and things that you're listening and watching and hearing on TV or on the internet through whatever site you be looking at, we must trust him and not trust the news. Not trust maybe well-intentioned people. What does the scripture say? And what does not only the fact that he overcomes the enemies, he's overcome the pestilence. He's overcome and, uh, and uh, anything that is naysayers. He has, has promises that he has given us that we can hold on to. And the fact that God has gone before us and makes and his paths are straight, they're lit, they're, they're good, they're right, they're righteous. We're following him. We're on his path. There's no question that we should not trust him. And the resurrection also shows us that Jesus is our Lord, verses 11 through 20. He has all authority. He commanded us to take the gospel to all the nation, and he promises to be with us always in the, that process of doing that. We're in his will by sharing the gospel to those who have never heard the gospel, the good news that they can be set free, for them to be forgiven of their sins, to have eternal life be given to them, a free gift of grace handed to them. All we have, they do is have to accept it, accept the gift of grace from him. We get the privilege of being obedient to our Lord and going out and doing that wherever God takes us and gives us the opportunity to do that. But he commanded us to take the gospel to all the nation. He promises to be with us always. What more assurance could we want? We see in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are in his ambassadors. We represent him every day. Regardless of the method we're communicating with the world, we are his ambassadors. We represent him and should be faithful to him in all things that we say and do. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the good news. It's the gospel message. And the early church bore witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and so should we today. Believe in Jesus' resurrection. It's the miracle that gives us the promise of eternal life. Believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah, the Son of God. And that you believe might have life in His name. If you choose to believe Jesus, you could have eternal life. Jesus asked Peter, and in restoring him after he had denied Jesus, And in restoring him on this thing that was probably the most important thing that could ever be asked of Peter by Jesus. Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? It wasn't about, are you still a member or not here? Are you still going to be doing what I ask you to do? Have you done the things I've asked you to do? You look a mess, man. You, you look terrible. Why don't you clean yourself up here? And, and No, Jesus didn't do any of that. He went back fishing, and a bunch of them went back fishing, remember? And Jesus showed up and revealed himself. Why? Because it was about a relationship with Jesus, not about a religion. It's not about the do's and don'ts. It is about a personal relationship. And Jesus says to Peter to restore him, do you love me? The question I ask for you today, if Jesus is right now speaking to your heart and he's asking you, do you love me? How would you answer that question right now on this Resurrection Sunday? Rejoicing the fact that he's alive. Is that relationship you have with Jesus, which you have with no hesitation with all your heart, say, Jesus, I love you. 
I've, I completely give my life to you. I surrender all. Is that what comes out of your, your mind of your heart? Is that what would come off your lips if Jesus was standing right in front of you? And he asked you, do you love me? Because if you love Jesus, then faith, belief, works, the good works, and everything else will follow in accordance to his will. Because it's not, your relationship's not based on what you can or cannot do. It's not based on your works. It's not a based on some achievements or how much money you give or don't give. It's all about putting your faith and complete trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I pray, if you're listening to this message, if you're a child of God, you've already made that commitment that you want to surrender your life completely to Jesus. And the Spirit of, of Jesus came into your life and you've been born again. I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, continue to diligently seek Him with all your heart and mind, soul, and strength. Spend time in the Scriptures and let Jesus just show up and minister to your heart. And He can say to your heart right here this day and days to come, peace be with you. He's the Prince of Peace. He can give you peace. Just spend time with Him. Love Him. Worship Him. Talk to Him. Listen to Him through His Word. But if this is not the words that would have come out of your mouth, I love you, Jesus, then I pray today's the day of salvation. I pray today that you heard the voice of Jesus say to you that He loves you. How? He died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for those sins you've committed in the past, present, and yes, even those in the future. And he says, I forgive you if you will believe in me and follow me. If you want a personal relationship, ask me to come into your life. Repent of what life you have today. Repent. Change. Go 180 degrees in the opposite direction. Follow me and I'll give you eternal life. And I pray right now in your mind or out loud or whatever you do, raise your hand and cry out to Jesus. I am a wicked sinner and I know I need to be saved and I want a new life. I want a life in you and I want you to come into my life. Take over. I love you, Jesus. And may this day be the moment most incredible day for you. A new beginning. The day you were born again. Mark it down. And I pray if that happened, send us a note through the website or call the church. We want to pray for you, with you. And I'm happy to send you something in the mail for as a new believer for you to be able to help you in your journey getting to know Jesus in a more deeper way than you've ever had before. Let us rejoice this day, this resurrection day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray.